0: Support for this episode comes from SAS. SAS is going all in on AI to help the world get more done with data. See for yourself in Las Vegas, April 16th to 19th at SAS Innovate, the data and AI experience for everyone and every role, from top executives to data scientists, engineers, analysts, and more. I'll be there leading a panel discussion about the importance of responsible AI. It's just one of the many sessions that will highlight the massive potential of AI. Visit innovate.sas.com and use the code CARA to save $100 on registration. I'll see you there. I think we can all agree the current political moment is fraught. But how does it compare to the other fraught political moments in history? It felt for a time in part of that decade like everything was falling apart. Young people against old people, anti-war violence, peace movement. I'm former U.S. Attorney Preet Bharara, and this week presidential historian Doris Kearns Goodwin joins me on my podcast, Stay Tuned with Preet. We talk about difficult times in America's history and how its people overcame them. The episode is out now. Search and follow Stay Tuned with Preet wherever you get your podcasts. everyone from New York Magazine and the Vox Media Podcast Network. This is On with Kara Swisher and I'm Kara Swisher. And I'm Naeem Araza. Today we're talking about sports,
1: which we rarely do. This rarely. whole week we're going to talk about sports actually. We are, but we're picking the sports people we like. So that's how it's going to go here. It's about sports, but it's also about the regulation of sports and what we think about competition mm-hmm. and equity, equality, and inclusion in many ways. Uh, we're going to have a conversation with Kaster Semenya. This is a champion middle distance runner from South Africa. She is the two-time Olympic gold medalist and a three-time world champion in the woman's 800 meter. But as she says in her new book, The Race to Be Myself, that's probably not what captured people's attention. Yeah, um, It's that she seemed different. Yeah, I think one of the issues was around
0: uh, a condition, a genetic condition. She was born uh, with high testosterone and it's called hyperandrogenism, which is sort of a catch-all term. People have used other terms. She doesn't like most of them, like intersex, et cetera. But basically, she has XY chromosomes instead of the typical female XX. This is something she was born with. Um, So she wants to compete. And of course, as usual, a group, especially the World Athletics
1: President Sebastian Coe, has got to have a say here. It's very unusual. I mean, even sitting here taping this, it feels awkward to be discussing our guests you know, um, medical history and mm-hmm. gender, sex. I think it's a strange conversation to have. And I, I really feel for Castor because, as she describes in this book, she went in for what she thought was this routine. She thought it was a drug test, really. Exactly. Like she, you know, people with this condition, particularly what she has, this 5 alpha reductase deficiency, a scientific term, it's not unusual that they may not know about their condition growing up because there's nothing that could be visible or seen. And then in tw- 2009, when she was 18 years old, she was already a world class runner. She pulled in for what she thought was going to be this drug test, and it ends up being her first OBGYN exam, basically her first gynecological exam. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And then quickly makes its way into global papers, and it's pretty
0: pretty shocking. Pretty shocking. And I think one of the issues is we're, as we debate the issues around trans athletes, which of course has become a Republican talking point. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, largely because the bathroom thing didn't work for them, so they try to find some other way to be vile to trans people. Um, you know, she gets dragged into this and um, because she's a world-class athlete and is mm-hmm. incredibly gifted. And in this case, it makes it very confusing because this is genetic. This is who yeah. she is. Um, and, and so, again, the attempts to regulate her are laughable in many ways. Yeah. I find it laughable
1: in all ways, actually. Well, we should be very explicit here that that Kester is not trans, as we said. No, this is a very separate situation to uh, the Republican talking point, as you called it, of trans sports. But there is a shared cause in understanding how sports are defined and how women's sports—who gets to play, basically—in right. women's sports. You know, not to quote Lady Gaga, she was born this way, and so yeah. what what happens here? You and, can always quote great
0: Lady Gaga on this show. Yes, Cara. Um, she is um, so dignified and such a great athlete in in the face of. Mm -hmm. whatever this group has been trying to attack her for so long. And I say attack and I don't say that lightly. Uh,
1: It's inexplicable what has happened to her. It's a really tricky topic because sports is entertainment, it's fun, but it's also competition. And it's also women's sports is by definition an exclusive Mm -hmm. category, right? And one of the things that has been Shocking to me and seeing some of the work that we did at the Times, in particular Lindsay Krause's work, is the extent to which women's bodies are policed and mm-hmm, compared in to men's bodies. And I you know, I
0: think that's the question is why is that? And of course we all know the answer, but why is it, Kara? Um, sexism. <laughs> sexism once again. Oh God, thank um, you. For- once again. Uh, and I, I think it's it is nobody polices men like this. And ter- even you know, mm-hmm. and and many of them have genetic anomalies, right? A lot of them. Like you could say that you could figure yeah. out a lot of them have it. And they of course they're hyper focused on uh, uh, sexual parts. And so, because this is what happens.
1: We first started talking about Castor back when we were at the Times in 2020. I think. What did you find so intriguing, or what did you relate to in her story, or dignity? Her dignity. Mm throughout dignity and her athleticism and love
0: of excellence. I really appreciate someone who just really, she loves to run, and it
1: shows, uh, and she just has dignity. Yeah, and she also has, like, she's also a winningest athlete, right, and she has a desire to win, and she has fought, the World Athletics Organization, formerly the International Association of Athletics Federations. She has fought the president, Sebastian Coe. She's now moving her case from the court of arbitration for sports, so the sports category, to a broader human rights court. And Mm -hmm. let's see if she wins. She wins a lot. So that is going to be a big question we have for her. I certainly hope she wins. She deserves it. Let's take a quick break and we'll be back with Castor Semenya.
2: dad
0: works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big ROAS man. Then he just kept saying things like, the bigger the ROAS the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means calculating a return on ad spend. One thing's for sure, I'll be known as the ROAS man's kid for the rest of my days.
1: The place to be, to be.
0: Support for On with Kara Swisher comes from NerdWallet. You don't have to be a genius to start making better financial decisions today. It's not that sexy, but piling up lots of little monetary victories today can yield some pretty significant rewards down the line. The tricky part is knowing where to start. NerdWallet can help. Their financial experts have helped countless people find new ways to maximize every dollar they earn. Now the team is helping folks get more from every dollar they spend. NerdWall lets you compare top travel credits side by side to maximize your spending, some even offering up to 10 times the points on every dollar you charge. Their expert team of nerds did the work reviewing top credit cards so you can trust that you have the smartest one for future you. If I had better rewards right now, I would probably travel to Hawaii and be sitting on a beach and not talking into this microphone right now. I would be enjoying a Mai Tai, possibly swimming, doubtful I would be surfing, but I would spend them all there. Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet, finance smarter. Reminder, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. Kester, thank you for joining us. Your book begins with a very powerful prologue where you detail your accomplishments, winning two Olympic gold medals, being the winningest athlete in the 800-meter distance of almost four years. And then you say, quote, unfortunately, it is not what I have achieved on the track that has likely brought me to your attention. Um, Your book is called The Race to Be Myself. Let's talk about myself. Um, I know people try to define you in ways and with labels. I want you to tell listeners how you define yourself.
2: How I define myself I, de- I define myself I'm castor and I'm a woman so um, that's what that's what I define myself and that's my identity. Mm-hmm. I'm a strong woman I'm a masculine woman and I love everything about myself. I love my life and people need to understand that when you know who you are, when you know what you stand for, it's about knowing also your personality. And also knowing your purpose of life, uh, I always believe that I'm the change. Uh, I was brought in this world for a reason uh, to educate, to guide, uh, to make sure that you know people understand uh, their basic rights. Uh, so for me, I'll say, I'm a woman, and I'm fast.
0: Right. So one of the things that um you have been defined by others, and you have rejected those labors, whether it's intersex, there's a whole bunch of them, right? Um, why have you rejected them? Explain for people to understand. Because No, people- that's not
2: a rejection. Okay. It's knowing who I am. You have to understand one thing about life. Other people's opinion of me is their business, uh, not mine. Um, what stands the most is that knowing what i am knowing who i am you understand and it's very simple and it's a very simple statement that i always portrayed out there to say i identify myself as women and identify myself as a different woman and it ends there how you identify yourself is always your business because it, that's how you feel and that's what you see that's how it makes you feel you know, happy. And, you know, how people label themselves, I always tell people it's it's up to them, it's their choice. And I can never let anyone define me, but I will define myself, how I see myself, how I see, you know, how I want to live my life. You get what I'm saying? So the definition of those labels, if it's, that's how they see it's that how they see it. It's a language that they use scientifically. It's okay. That's why even in the book, I explain that.
0: Yeah, let me read that. Let me read that portion. The things I did not know about my body, I found out along with the rest of the world that I did not have a uterus or fallopian tubes. Newspapers reported I had undescended testicles that were the source of my higher than normal levels of testosterone. They went on to call me a hermaphrodite. In, in my culture, the term does not apply to people like me, but the world media forced a label on me, and that is what I'm called to this day. I talk a little bit about that, that, you, that this idea, of, first of all, that you found out yeah. with others um, and that it was forced upon you, because I think it's a really interesting idea of why people felt the need to define you.
2: I think people, when they try to diminish you, they try to take you down. Remember then, I'm 18 years of age. Mm-hmm. I'm in the wealth stage. And when people are threatened by success, of course they always come up with ideas of trying to discourage you, try to make you feel like you don't belong. But I knew myself, I knew what I stand for. So even if people came and labeled me, say whatever they wanted us to say, remember it's their opinion, not my opinion. Mm -hmm. The opinion of myself, it's me. It's what makes me happy. It's what drives me. So for me, I always say, because I remember I mentioned that I see it as a joke because at the end of the day, that has got nothing to do with me. That's their assumption. That's what they feel like it's right for them. But for me, no.
0: No. Okay. So when you were growing up, I'm interested because you grew up in a conservative community. Um, your family accepted you were basically quote a tomboy. I was called a tomboy when I was growing no. up. It was not meant in a positive way in the United States, at least. Of course. I'm I'm remembering being told I had to wear dresses and um, <laughs> play with dolls, and I threw the Barbie across the room. I know. I know. And I just yes. didn't. And it was it was really um, it was sort of negative for you. You did not experience that. No, with no, your no. Family.
2: Remember, mm-hmm. for me. Uh, I've always been strong, I've always been fair. I've always been fearless. So uh, I I stood for what I believe it was right for me. And for me, there was no way if my mom does not tell me to wear a dress, I'm gonna wear a dress, you know what I'm saying? So for me, it has always been about me feeling comfortable uh, in what I want, no matter what dresses or what. If I wanted to wear a dress, I'll wear a dress, but it shouldn't be someone suggesting that I should wear a dress.
0: And that didn't happen when you were growing up. It
2: did not happen, but I decided to wear a dress when I wanted to wear a dress. I remember when I moved to my grandmother's place, I was like, you know what? I want to experience, you know, this new life, see how it feels for me to be wearing dresses and like that. I wore those dresses for certain months and I feel like, you know what? This is not me. This is not what I like. I'll go back to wearing my shorts, you know, wearing my trousers. And Mm -hmm. there's nothing wrong about it. The community accepts you if you do not question yourself.
0: Right. So let's fast forward to that because so you had not questioned that until you were 18. In 2009, the world uh, and the world organization confronted you about your gender. After you won uh, gold in the 800 meter race at the World Championships in Berlin, rumors circulated, not rumors. It weren't really rumors. They just were talking about it out loud. The international track governing body called Mm -hmm. World Athletics, it was then called the IAAF, um, put you through gender testing. Yes. You went in for what you thought was a drug test, correct? Of
2: course, yes, yes. You wrote you wrote
0: this afterward. I learned that I had an XY chromosomes rather than typically female XX pairing and high levels of testosterone produced by undescended testicles. I didn't know I had. Um, talk about that experience, because you went in thinking one thing and then of this was forced upon you. This test,
2: the test, of course, it was forced upon because if you go into um, any test and then you think it's a doping. And you get there, you get surprises. You'll be like, oh, what's this? And when I exchanged words with the gynecologist, then he tells me like, yes, because these are gender tests. I was like, okay, if it's gender tests, then fine. Let's do it because at the end of the day, for me as a woman I am, I got nothing to hide, you understand? I remember after that he said, the results might be you know, slightly different. I said, look, man, I'm happy with the person I am. Any results that come upon it, I'm going to take it because at the end of the day, what I know is that I'm a different woman. You understand?
0: Which is the term you use, a different woman, correct?
2: Yeah, I'm just a different woman. That's a term because I'm different, of course. you know, I'm not going to label myself to be something that I don't believe in.
0: Right. Talk a little bit about the test, though, because you said, I would say I was being treated like an animal, but I grew up tending the, my family's livestock, and we treated them with more respect than that.
2: When... These results came out, uh, supposedly, they say, you know, it was accidentally leaked. There's no freaking way you you can accidentally leak the results. It was released for a purpose. And the purpose about it was for them to get into my head, to make me feel like I don't belong, to make me feel like uh, I'm in the wrong spots. Uh, You know, I'm not women enough. No, for me, having high testosterone level, don't make me less a woman. For me, not having a uterus, or not having a uterus, uh, excuse me, uh does not make me less a woman. If I don't have a violet pen tube, it don't make me less a woman. At the end of the day, those are just um things that I was born without. Right.
0: Now, as you know, they dispute that was an intentional leak. You were alleging yeah, that. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. In this treatment, was this a surprise to you or you were expecting it? Had it been growing? Yeah, of
2: course, I expected it. I expected it because and then the, once, once I discovered that, you know, this is a den- gender test, I knew there was more coming. And I prepared myself for that. And I knew when it was leaked before the final, I was like, oh, they're trying to get into my head. They think this will disturb me. And in my mind, I was like, if anyone wants to stop me to run, They will come drag me off the track. You understand? And for me, my mentality, it was, you know what? I'm going to stand firm, go compete, win the gold medal. If I win the gold medal, if whatever position I get is whatever position I get. And that's it.
0: You had no idea they would find that, right? No, you can't have an
2: idea of that because... Because you had never had these tests. I never heard about these terms. I've never heard about this condition, but... When I heard about it, no, I embraced it because that's me. Right. That's myself. I love everything about myself. And I told myself, I'll never change for anyone. I'm
0: going to ask you, can you process that moment for us when you, was it like, oh, all right, it was just a piece of information.
2: Yeah, it was just just a piece of information because end of the day, they've done me a favor. (laughs) They've done me a favor because if maybe uh, I didn't do that, If I didn't go through those tests, I was not going to discover that up until, you know, I find my own time to do that. And for me, I think it's just a learning curve to educate people out there to say, look, there are people who are different out there. There are people with differences and you must just accept your differences and live your life. At the end of the day, you are not a mistake. At the end of the day, God created you for a reason. Mm -hmm. There is a purpose for your life. Live for your purpose.
0: All right. So after Berlin, the World Athletics governing body suspended you from competing, and they said due to hyperandrogenism, which is characterized by higher levels of testosterone. Talk about the options you had at that point.
2: Um, they wanted me to do a surgery. I was like, it was only one option. Remember, one option: surgery, or you walk away.
0: Yeah, or no racing. No racing. Yes.
2: Right. Mm-hmm. Right. And I was like to to my team and say, look there must be other option than doing all the surgeries. And my gynecologist came up with um, an idea to say, look, yes, maybe we can have um, a treatment that she can do. And then we went down. That was in consideration.
0: This is hormone therapy. Yes, this
2: is there's hormone therapy.
0: To bring the levels of testosterone down. To, to take down. the
2: level down. And it was agreed that I must be 10 or below. You understand? And I was like, okay, I'll try it. And then they gave me that six months and we immediately jumped into it and we tried to make it work and then it worked. Then they got me back to competition. Then Between those years, that five years, we did that. Yeah, but it was a sacrifice because you do things out of desperation because you still want to be in the game. You still want to be running again. So for me, I did it because I wanted to run. It's not just because I wanted to take this medication to do anything. Nonsense. I wouldn't do that if I wasn't desperate to get back to the track.
0: Okay, so you took six months for the drug to settle in, but you kept racing. And you said you were never the same after Berlin. It did get into your head and, and your body and that you weren't the caster your parents knew and raised. Um, and you wrote this. How do you explain how it feels to be recategorized as a human being that one day you were a normal person living your life and the next day you were seen as abnormal? Talk about the impact of the drugs
2: on you. Uh, the impact of the drugs, you no, know, they were awful. Uh, they often make me sick. Um, you know, you have been in stomach. Uh, panic attacks. Of course, it started creating, you know, a little bit of blood clots. You can't sleep. You're always stressed. You have this anxiety. You're never happy. You know, you're just unhappy every day. And you eat a lot. You gain a lot of weight. You know, those are the things that, you know, of course, my gynecologist explained to me to say, look, we're going to limit it. Uh, The only thing that we do in this is because you only want to do Olympics.
0: Right. You wanted to compete.
2: Yeah, I wanted to compete. The only thing that, the only reason for us to take the medication, it was because we we wanted to do 2012 Olympics, and after that, the option was for me to walk away, and for me, I was like, I'm not gonna walk away anytime soon because I still have a lot of things to accomplish. But it was never easy. I'll explain it as hell. It's like, for me, I dig a hole that I can never fill up. I was walking into a tunnel that is dark. You know, There's no light in the end. So it was hard. But I had to learn through the process to say, you know what? I'm going to do it. Whether it's hard, whether it's not easy, whether it's all those odds, I'll make sure that I conquer through that. I think for me, I've always been that person who always believe in yourself, always Mm -hmm. make sure that I make sure that if I touch something, I finish it. For me, if I, I have to go run with this thing, I'll make it work, even if it's difficult, but I'll make it work.
0: Was there a moment, though, when you thought, I can't do this, you know, especially from a psychological point of view? Of course.
2: There are times where you feel like, you know, "What, what the hell am I doing? Why am I even doing this? Because it does not make me happy. Because remember, for the longest, I was never happy. I was just doing it because I want to run.
0: So you competed at the 2012 Olympics where you were taking the drugs and then took home a silver medal that was later revised to gold. We'll get to that in a second. And then in 2016, you raced without drugs because an Indian athlete, Duti Chand, with high testosterone, filed a claim against IAAF and won a temporary reversal until the organization can prove that high testosterone gave women an unfair advantage. Talk about tossing the drugs and entering the 2016 race and how you felt.
2: Oh, it felt great. Uh, I was happy. I remember um, I appreciated, you know, what duty Chan did. And I was like, you know what, if I had courage, you know, like that, uh, I'll say, yeah, you know, I could have saved a lot of lives out there. And for me, when that happened, I was like, oh, you know what, I'm just going to go with the flow. You know, I stopped taking the medication and then I go back to the drawing board, then I start training hard. And I told myself, you know what, from now on, because I know these people are still going to go back to the court, I'll make sure that everything that I touch, I destroy.
0: Mm-hmm. So you won the gold for the 800 meter outright in 2016. Mm-hmm. So after the Chan case, in 2017, the IAF, now again World Athletics, published research claiming that women athletes with high testosterone levels had a competitive advantage. What did you make of this? Because they continued to, to fight on this issue.
2: It's, it's nonsense. Um, there's nothing as such as that. Um, it's just a makeup research because testosterone, to be honest, does not play any role in any performance because why I say so. Um, if you, especially genetically, if you're born with it, it's elevated. It's just elevated because, of, based on their studies, because you have the disorder or whatever they call it. So it's just there in your body, does not play any role because if it played a role, why, as women adrenometers, we can't run 141. Right.
0: You you tweeted this. That yes. This is in, international athletic rules would only allow you to train for short sprints and long-distance races due to your testosterone levels, not the 800, which you were dominating. Now, yes. in 2022, you tweeted about the ridiculousness saying, so according to World Athletics and its members, I'm a male when it comes to 408 quarter meter 800-meter, 1,500-meter, and 1,600-meter, then a female in the 100-meter, 200-meter, and long-distance events. You mm-hmm. did some emojis. What a mm-hmm. research. What kind of fool
2: would do that? I'm not on that Twitter at the moment. But I think it's all about just saying to people to say, look, uh, people sometimes are just crazy. They mm-hmm. make up things that they don't even understand what they're doing. But obviously, in terms of that, I was just showing that the research these people, you know, uh, are saying they've done the, they've done the research. That's not good enough research because if you're saying a women with a high elevated testosterone, you know, have an advantage. There's no advantage because even if the results you look at the results times and everything, we don't even run close to men's time. Mm-hmm. Actually, now women are running times close to men times now as we speak you see at women's at 1500 they run in 349 right. I can't run even close to that time I couldn't run close to that time but you're telling me I have advantage it just shows you that when people are discriminatory people are racist people are are focused on you know one part of the world to destroy they will do that and for me I always raise a question to say, why regulate women's sports? You understand? If if we embrace genetics, why embrace men' genetics only? Not right. We're going to get to
0: that. We're going to yes. get to that in a minute. So you've been fighting world athletics in various courts for several years, but recently you moved the cases from sports court to human rights court. Why was that?
2: I do that because I fight for what is right. You know, IWF need to start learning how to respect people, how to respect human. I think first before you can do any regulations you need to look at you know human rights you know first you need to treat people with respect and dignity and then for me my main purpose and goal is to make sure that no one has to go through what i went through people should be respected for who they are people should be accepted for who they are you understand for me that's the only reason to make sure that those who cannot fight for themselves those who cannot voice out, those who are not vocal enough, you know, I fight for them. And it's my purpose, it's my responsibility to make sure that all those young girls are protected. Mm-hmm.
0: So in July, Europe's top human rights courts ruled that you should have another chance to appeal the World Athletics Testosterone Regulations. Yes. What's next in this battle? And I'd love you to comment on Sebastian Co. why you think they're being so
2: stringent here, I guess I'm, that's a kind word. When people are threatened by women's success, that's what they will do, you understand? Because at the end of the day, I don't know what, he, what his agenda can not answer on his behalf, but at the end of the day, he needs to go away his brains, you understand? He needs to start thinking like a human because at the moment, I don't know what he thinks he's doing. I don't know what he thinks. He, he tries to prove to people to say, you're supporting women, you know, women's sports. He's not doing that. If he wants to support women's sport, he must step out of that position. And whoever that is in the board, those two women that are in the board, that are board members, let them run the show and see what they will do for women. That was I can say for uh, at the moment to him. But my point is, what, I'll always ask that question. Why is it so important to him to regulate women's sports?
0: Have you have you talked to him directly?
2: No. I can't no. talk to that. I don't talk to idiots.
0: Okay. Have you tried to talk to him
2: or No, we 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 once passed on, we greeted each other, but he's acting like a fool. So, he's a grown as man that needs to start understanding how to respect women how to treat women with respect.
0: Well, you know, Castro, I found that mostly it's grown-ass men who act like children, but that's um, that's <laughs> different. Um, so what's next for you in this battle? Where does this go then?
2: The battle still continues. We still fight for diverse in- inclusivity. We still fight for what is right. But at the moment, we know that A Supreme Court may appeal they have a right to do that. We will just wait for that. If they take it to the high chamber, we still do the same thing. We still continue on fighting for what is right, but making sure that we rectify these mistakes where men rule women's sports. So
0: why do you think these regulatory bodies, police men's bodies and women's bodies differently?
2: Because it's always about... Men thinking that women don't belong into sports. It's always about, you know, men trying to, you know, paint a picture of how women should look like, based on them. So that should stop. This is the modern era where women are involved, and they've allowed women to partake into sports. They should start respecting women's sports. They should start allowing women embrace their bodies enjoy sports so for me that's what i can say but till women come together we as women come together fight for what is right make sure that we stand for one another this nonsense will stop
0: we'll be back in a minute support for this show comes from virgin atlantic Travel can be stressful. I don't think that's a controversial take. Sure, we all love taking a vacation and that moment we finally get a chance to relax, but we're always so focused on the destination that the journey just feels like a means to an end. Well, what if it wasn't? What if the time you spent getting there was just as enjoyable as the vacation itself? That's what Virgin Atlantic believes. That's why they offer loads of special extra touches that make your trip one to remember for all the best reasons. Picture this. You've made it to the airport, checked in your bags, and finally have a moment to settle in before takeoff. If you're flying upper class, you could be putting your feet up in a Virgin Atlantic clubhouse at London Heathrow, with food made fresh to order and champagne delivered straight to your table with a tap of a QR code. I mean, it's rude not to, right? Once you're in the air, the experience continues, with deliciously different dining, seriously comfy seats, and the best crew in the sky by miles. Check out virginatlantic.com for your next trip and see the world differently. Support for this show comes from Ramp. Are you overwhelmed with managing your business expenses, vendor payments, and accounting? Is your finance software just not cutting it? Or maybe you're just looking to cut all that wasteful spending. Ramp could be a total game changer for you and your business. Ramp is the corporate card and spend management software designed to help you save time and put money back in your pocket. Ramp gives finance teams unprecedented control and insight into company spending. With Ramp, you're able to issue cards to every employee with limits and restrictions and automate expense reporting so you can stop wasting time at the end of every month. Plus, Ramp is easy to use. You can get started, issue virtual and physical cards, and start making payments in less than 15 minutes, whether you have five employees or 5,000. Not only that, but Ramp can save you money. They estimated that businesses that use Ramp save an average of 5% the first year. And now you can get $250 when you join Ramp. Just go to ramp.com slash Cara. ramp.com slash Cara. ramp.com slash Cards issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank. Members FDIC. Terms and conditions apply. So you've tried to, interestingly, I I really want to read from your book, um, you've tried to equate your biological differences with other genetic gifts of athletes. Let me Mm -hmm. read from the book. Yet they thought nothing of cheering on the seeming inevitability of wins by genetically gifted athletes like the sprinter Usain Bolt, who boasted a stride that's far longer than his peers. No one suggested Michael Phelps' dominance in the pool was unfair, and he should have to take medications to ensure that he produced just as much lactic acid as his competitors or have surgery to fix his hypermobile joints. Do you think there's anything different about gender because it's more complex or just more, one more physiological feature?
2: I don't think there's no differences when it, t- it comes to that because we all build differently. If you look into sports, only men should be the ones who are gifted, should be the one who embrace their genetics, should have all these supernatural powers. But then women, when you're born with your differences, maybe high testosterone, it may be whatever it is. There's something wrong about At the end of the day, sports can never be fair. Sports has never been fair because mm-hmm. we all come from different backgrounds.
0: Genetic background or different genetic advantages and All of us,
2: genetic and advantages. So that means when you are a different woman, you are not women enough. Right. But when you are a different man, you are men enough. You, you, you get what I'm saying?
0: Should world athletics be the definer of women's sports? No, and, the, and, or who should define it?
2: We as women, we should define that. They must allow us to come in, have discussion for us to have a say as women, not them getting to a final decision to say this is what women should be considered. This is how women should look like. At the end of the day, men and women, we come with their own, with our own differences. But one thing that I know is that we are all human. We are only here for one purpose, one common, you know, goal is to entertain people in sports. Sports is meant for entertainment, nothing else.
0: So, given women's sports is an inherently protected category, can and should it be inclusive? Women's sports, by definition, is exclusive.
2: Yeah, but wh- why should we protect women's categories? That's my question. What's the reason behind protecting women's category if we say sports is for all women? Right. Regardless of what women, because if you are born a woman, you are considered a woman. Don't come here to me with biology telling me because of you have high testosterone, because you have low estrogen, or you have, you know, you don't have uterus, you don't have vilopian tube. That does not make me less a woman.
0: Right. So do you think they, they have talked, World Athletics has also talked about a separate inclusive category, possibly in the future, separate from women's and men's sports. Do you think that's a good idea?
2: That's never going to be a good idea because you can't categorize women. Why categorizing women? They must go start with categorizing men by their size, by their height, you know, by their length of their arms and all those things. If they can do T1, 210, 220, I'll respect them. Because they're cowards, they always come after women because we as women, we are not designed to be great. We are designed to carry babies. We are designed to cook for them. We are designed to iron for them. That's how they define us as women. Just because now we're coming into sports, we're coming and we're equivalent to them, we're doing great things, we're breaking records, it's a problem. So it should get into their mind to say, if we're saying sports is for all, do that. And if you want to regulate, come, do sanction events, come, and we must be in the conferences. Hear us out how we feel about how you treat us as female.
0: So it's obviously become a hot button issues. And, and many people, I'd be curious to see your story as something about trans inclusion also in sports, which... Um, let me be clear, um, you're absolutely, it's a biological issue with you, mm-hmm. but you, you share a lot with the cause of trans athletes of course. Um, in that you're gender non-conforming is how they would describe you, but it's completely different. Talk a little bit about how it represents it, because it's such a hot button issue here in the United States, for example, and has really gotten traction.
2: That's, for me, it, it would be unfair for me to talk on behalf of trans, in you know, a community. I don't have a problem with trans community. I love them. I love them as my own, but at the end of the day, we need to have a definition between, we draw a line between biological and transition. It explains itself, and I can't go further than that, but I support them. I think they're special. I think, of course, they should be included in sports. And if you talk about regulating, I can't say anything about how to regulate because I don't know how to do that. But what I know from the bottom of my heart, I support them, I love them, and I think they should be included in sports. You know, those who think they're the best in regulating, they need to sit down with, you know, trans community and discuss the issues rather than disrespecting them.
0: So, the world is a different place than in uh, 2009. Obviously, youth culture has become more accepting of gender differences, certainly. Mm-hmm. Although it does feel like we're also moving backwards. Do you overall think we've moved forward or backward?
2: We are not moving forward because when it comes to that, especially in women, we are always suppressed. People suppress everything that women do instead of allowing women into sports to lead allowing women into everything, maybe political or anything. We are not given opportunities to govern. You understand? Only thing that we're being given is just to be in the mix. It's all about gender equality based on the number of women that should be in. We're not given authority. We're not given a chance to showcase that we as women, we can be the change as well. We can do as well as men. For me, I think if we are given that opportunity to do that, I'll see a movement.
0: But do you see it moving backwards or forwards? I, I see backwards myself.
2: Me, I see backwards because there's nothing happening. It's, it's just all about talks, 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 talks. But we as women, we need to just be there for a picture to be part of it. But when it comes to us making decisions, no. It's backwards. We're moving backwards. There's no improvement.
0: So one of the things you wrote about, and especially, um, and it's 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 a depressing thing, but you wrote that others with DSD, which is differences in sexual sex development, have attempted or committed suicide because of, of how course. the world has treated them, and that has caused you unbearable mental anguish. What do you think ultimately got you through it? Um, because in your book you talk a lot about the role of your wife Violet uh, Rasaboya um,
2: has played. I think uh, when you are in a situation like this. You, you, you're gonna need uh, strong love and support. You're gonna need people who appreciate you, people who will make you make you feel special, people who make you feel your existence, you know, means a lot, you understand? And most of time when we go through these times, you find yourself alone, you find yourself isolated, You find yourself, you know, in a space where you can't even communicate with anyone, you understand? And that leads to a mental problem, you know, mental disturbance, where you start thinking of even taking your life and all doing that. But if you are surrounded by people that you love, basically, if your wife or your husband or it may be, and that love and the support that you get, it it strengthens you. It keeps you going. It makes you to feel like there's still a reason for you to live.
0: So what what has motivated you more? I recall when I was called a tomboy, it was anger. <laughs> I was pissed off. I was like, it made me so angry rather than anguished. I was sort of like, yeah, really? Uh, kind of, of thing. Course. Some people are motivated by support around them. You were more motivated by what, if you had to say? Would it be anger or determination or... For me...
2: Uh, I think for me, I, I get motivated by rejection because, I you know, when you reject me, it shows that I'm the best in the game. There's something good I'm doing about myself because sometimes people, they're scared of rejection. For me, I like being rejected because it helps me build myself. It helps me go work hard. It helps me go improve whatever I need to improve, you know, in life. It helps me to also want to be the change, you know, to bring change. Also, it helps me to treat people with respect, dignity. It helps me how to love, you know, how to care, you know, and how to support. It does not mean because I'm being rejected by two people. Two percent in the world that rejects me, it means nothing to me. I'm being loved by 98 so why should I care about the 2% that is going to tell me you are a man? a 2% that's going to tell me you are not women enough. No! 98% is telling me, Casta, you look beautiful. We like you the way you are. That should motivate you. That means when you are rejected, that's where you turn that into positivity because it's just that small negative thing that can just turn things into wrong. But for me, I cannot allow that. It makes me feel good. It makes me feel present. It makes me feel valuable. It makes me feel that I matter the most because people talk about me. Even if they talk bad, I don't really care because I know what I stand for.
0: So you have two baby girls. I have children. I have four kids, but two of the same age as yours. One born last year. So congratulations, by the way. Thank you. Um, I try to think of who motivates me, and I would say it's my kids. Of course. Are, are you hopeful or hopeless for the next generation's ability to be themselves?
2: No, I'm hopeful. That's what I'm teaching to my kids. Um, as well as now, I'm a parent. Those kids, they teach me how to be a good parents. They teach me how to love. They teach me how to care. How to appreciate, how to accept, you know, all those things. But most important thing, they teach me how to make them happy. You understand? But what I'm going to do is to make sure that I support my kids in anyhow. It does not matter what. And I'm going to allow them to explore themselves. I'm going to allow them to be who they want to be. Do they run? Not yet. They they're doing swimming. Uh, I hope they don't run. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Why? No, I don't like it for them to be in a sport that I've done and yeah. then do the sports that I've done, how I've been treated in the uh-huh. very same sports. Yeah. As they are women, I don't want them to go through that. Yeah. But if they want to run, I'll definitely welcome that. I'll, I'll help them to become the champions that they want to be. But at the moment is that I hope they don't do athletics. Well, they can run in circles. Toddlers run in circles. They can run in circles. They can run with me. They can yeah. do training with me. But yeah. competitively, I hope they do something different. Swimming, golf, tennis, squash, badminton, you call it. Even yeah. if you want to go to motorsports, it's fine. They can do that. Motorsports. Okay. And what about for you? What's your next thing? For me, my next thing is that I keep on fighting the case. Of course, that's the main goal. And then, But now... As I run the foundation with Violet uh, and the club, we are running a developmental programs, which is, is the main goal. That's where we want to see ourselves making sure that we build these humans. We make sure that they're great athletes and they're great future. You know, they have a great future. They are gonna be those great leaders in future. So for me, that's that's the main goal.
0: All right, Castor, you're a real hero to me, I have to say. Um, And I really appreciate all the efforts you're making. I'm so sorry you're having to fight on everybody's behalf.
2: (laughs) No problem. I'm glad it's you doing it, at least. (laughs) Thank you. I think, if not me, who?
1: I really appreciated two things in that conversation. One was the intersectionality of the causes, that duty Chan's fight connected with Caster's fight, that Caster's fight, which is not the trans fight, does connect with this broader push in, for inclusion in, in U.S. sports. But two was hearing you connect to Caster's story. Mm-hmm. It was interesting to hear you talk about being a tomboy. Oh, yeah. I didn't that know was that was a... such a negative term. Oh, my God. It was terrible. When I was growing up, a tomboy was a really cool thing. No. No? Joey from Dawson's Creek?
0: No, it was not
1: cool. Well, you made it cool, Kara. Yeah, I guess.
0: (laughs) What are you, a boy? So many times. What are you, a boy? When I cut my hair short, it was even worse. It was a big controversy. Yeah. The question of what a woman is and and, and how women should behave is obviously one that everyone has to deal with and you get shoved, and men do too, get shoved into categories that are not comfortable for most people, Mm -hmm. but everybody, this sort of group of people that insist that things don't change or people's visions of themselves don't change um, continue to have wide sway in this world and they should really just shut up and sit down is my feeling.
1: It sounded like her childhood was more accepting in some ways in South Africa Fantastic. Until (laughs) it's actually her professional career where Mm -hmm. she starts being confronted with so much animosity. Because she's
0: successful, right? They want to find a way to to kneecap her in some Mm -hmm. fashion. And, of course, her family was very, it's very unusual. I was surprised how accepting her family is, having not had that. Um, Yeah. But, I mean, and broader in society that uh, they were more interested in her development and who she was uh, versus who she should be.
1: And she's a badass. I love when she said she, she gets is. motivated by rejection. I feel that, too, when people mm. – she, she said, when you reject me, it shows that I'm the best in the game. Yeah. And I, I believe that. When Not people, every minute, but yes. <laughs> yeah, but people are threatened when you're good. Sometimes, yeah, but she she really does believe in herself, and,
0: and I think that's born from being raised by people who believed in her mm-hmm. and having a basic
1: sense of, of decency. Um That she has, so and she's a person who, when you watch interviews, her she likes to be confronted. She's not someone who wants to be soft footed around with. She, you know, she's like, ask me the hard question on my Michael Phelps comparison, and I want to take it on. She gets more animated and excited by it. By the way, did you buy that Michael Phelps comparison?
0: Yeah, sure, why not? Why don't we look at that? Why don't we look at his arm? Why don't we look at lactic acid? Why don't what why do we pick this as the thing we look at, right? There's Gender lots of people. The yeah. At. There's all kinds of ways people have advantages in life. And so we never look at those. We just yeah. accept them for what they are.
1: Do you she said sports is meant for entertainment, nothing else? Do you agree with that part of it? Yes, of course. Yeah, but I feel it is also about competition. That's why it is more regulated. It's also some kind of yardstick, right? It's some. I think it's a business.
0: It's fun. It's more fun to watch, I guess, for for a lot of people. Yeah. Um. But you know, again, it, it's about excellence, and that's what she she trained and she made herself excellent, and uh, she
1: deserves all the awards she got. Do you think she'll win her cor- her case? Her I hope so. If, if all is good in the world, she should. She has many supporters, but uh, including you, it sounds like. But also has very loud critics, including tennis great Martina Navratilova. And uh, we actually are going to interview Martina on the topic of inclusion. She's been an outspoken critic on on greater inclusion in women's sports that interview will be coming out on thursday yeah that'll be interesting someone who suffered
0: from a lot of uh attacks on seeming mannish she was much attacked for her size and her incredible athleticism um when women's tennis was a much more dainty
1: affair yeah so we'll have to understand how she reconciles those two Mm -hmm. her past and and her current positions so that'll be out thursday and in the meantime carol want to read us out yep Today's
0: show was produced by Naeem Araza, Christian Castro-Russell, Kateri Yokum, Megan Burney, Claire Tai, and Cody Nelson. Special thanks to Kate Gallagher and Lindsey Krauss. Aliyah Jackson engineered this episode. Our theme music is by Trackademics. If you're already following the show, you'll be running until you're 80. If not, join Motorsports. Go wherever you listen to podcasts, search for On with Kara Swisher, and hit follow. Thanks for listening to On with Kara Swisher from New York Magazine, the Vox Media Podcast Network, and us. We'll be back on Thursday with more.